Hi, CityCast listeners. Today, we're bringing back one of our favorite episodes. Usually, when Houstonians talk about insects, it's because we want to kill them. But today, insects will be defended. We are talking to CityCast contributor Scott Solomon, an entomologist who teaches biology at Rice University. He joins me and our bug-hating lead producer, Dina Kesba, to make the case that, yes, even in Houston, we need insects. It's Wednesday, June 15th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. So Scott, Dina hates bugs. With every fiber in my being. (laughs) Dina is the Houstonian that you have to convince not to kill every six-legged creature in Houston. (laughs) How would you do that? How would you start? I don't know if I'm going to be successful, but I'll certainly uh, take up the challenge. I mean, look, there are a lot of insects in Houston. Anybody that's spent time in Houston knows we got a lot of bugs. And I am not going to try to argue that they're all good and that they're all important. However, most of them are. And the thing is that we tend to just focus in on a few insects that we either see a lot or have had some kind of a bad experience with. And that then I think tends to like affect the way we think about all of them, right? But you know, the vast majority of insects Mm -hmm. are not gonna do us any harm at all. And uh, many of them are actually good. Like what? The pollinators I'm trying to attract to my little pollinator garden? Pollinators are a great place to start because you know, we all can agree that uh, food is important, right? (laughs) A lot of our food depends on insect pollinators. Uh, If we just look at North America, about two-thirds of our crops depend on insects for pollinations. Okay, since we're talking about bees, we have to talk about wasps. I really, really hate wasps. I mean, I don't feel like there's any use for them. If I see it, I'm going to kill it, and I'm going to tell every person I know to kill a wasp if they see it. And, I mean, aren't they even just more harmful to the bees? I get that attitude because, hey, look, I've been stung by some wasps too, and it's not fun. Um, but those are just a, a, a couple of species of wasps that are really harmful and or potentially harmful. How do you feel about spiders? I do not like them. I do not like spiders. <laughs> I don't really like spiders that much either. I will confess. So here's something maybe we can agree on. You know the mud dauber wasps? They make those little kind of mud structures like on our you know covered porches and yes. garages and sheds. Okay. So yeah. if you're not a big fan of spiders, then mud daubers are your friend because what they're putting inside those little mud structures, they're actually laying their eggs and putting them in there. And they actually put spiders in there too. They are injecting venom into a spider and paralyzing it, putting it in there as a snack for their babies. So the little wasp larvae are going to emerge and they're going to eat those spiders. So they're actually helping to control the spider population. So wait, the babies are eating the spiders alive? That's right. Oh, that's creepy, Scott. Oh my Yeah, it's God. a little creepy. <laughs> but okay. Okay, fine. All right. I'll, I'll give you that one. But roaches. Roaches serve zero purpose. And I've read so many articles where Houston is literally on that like top 10 list of cities with the most roaches. I've, I've even like... I literally border my entire parents' home with boric acid, and even that sometimes doesn't get rid of them. Yeah, you know what? I don't like cockroaches that much either. I'm not. I'm not doing a great job here arguing for the bugs, I am I'm I? Convincing you but to not like bugs. Cockroaches in our homes 
you know, that's that's mm-hmm. always going to be kind of a problem because they're coming mm-hmm. into our turf. But it's just, you know, one or two species that we have of cockroaches that are entering into our space. Those big ones that everybody's familiar with, that's the American cockroach. There's also another species called the German cockroach. These are species yeah. that have followed humans around everywhere that we go. They've become adapted to living in human habitations. They actually don't do that well out in the wild. They're kind of dependent on us, which... You know, I don't know. Maybe that makes you feel a little sympathetic for them. I'm going to go ahead and say, you know what? If you feel like you need to kill your cockroaches in your home, I get that. But you should consider this. The fact that we try to kill cockroaches with pesticides has actually worked against us. Because what has happened is that the cockroaches have evolved to avoid pesticides. Because those that happen to, for whatever genetic reason, avoid those baits... They survive, they proliferate. Now it's way harder to kill cockroaches. So if I want to kill cockroaches, I should stomp them? Here's another thought. And this is where I'm going to bring <laughs> the wasps back in, Dina, because you know one of the lessons that I've learned is that as much as we might want to kill the insects that live in and around our homes, if we're using a lot of pesticide, often what you're doing is you're killing all the insects. And sometimes that includes the natural enemies of the ones that we're targeting. So in the case of the cockroaches, there's actually a tiny little wasp that you've probably never seen. They're super small, and they're not often um, actually out where you're going to see them. They actually lay eggs inside the eggs that cockroaches lay, and they are parasites of cockroaches, and they'll kill the cockroaches. So if you don't use pesticide, you're much more likely to allow those wasps to kill the cockroaches on their own. It's the classic, like, the enemy of your enemy is your friend. Okay, Scott, but what about mosquitoes? Mosquitoes are attracted to me. They want my blood. What do we do about mosquitoes? The mosquitoes really are a problem. I get, like, really bad reactions to mosquito bites. I always have, and so I I really don't like mosquitoes. Oh, and you're out in Belize doing bug studies. This is... (laughs) How did you choose this profession? I'll say, I think sometimes Houston can be as bad as some of the places I've worked out in, in rainforests and in different places around the world. You know, actually, historically, mosquitoes were a really big problem for Houston as well, even bigger than they are now. Houston was ravaged by yellow fever and malaria historically. They didn't know what caused it at the time. It wasn't associated directly with mosquitoes, so people didn't quite make the connection. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was actually one of the reasons why Austin was chosen as the capital over Houston, because Houston had a reputation for being kind of the home to this mysterious disease, which turned out to be yellow fever. I did not know that. It's not a new problem, but we have largely controlled the mosquitoes that transmit uh, yellow fever. So that's good news. Unfortunately, there are still other mosquito-borne diseases that are around. And more recently, we've got other species of mosquitoes that have shown up, like the Asian tiger mosquito. That was first detected in Harris County in 1985, and it's a vector for another disease, dengue, which isn't common here, but it does um, occur from time to time. So, you know, one of the solutions is to try to minimize the amount of standing water we have in our yards, in our gardens, around our homes, because that's where they breed, right? That's one of the most effective ways that we can try to keep mosquito populations under control. It allows us to spend time outdoors during the time of the year where it's pleasant outside, except, you know, there are some mosquitoes. I don't think we're going to get rid of them completely, unfortunately. Um, And uh, so, you know, we just have to kind of find ways to 
to survive mosquito season here in Houston. I mean, okay, so my family has a pool in the backyard and we spend a lot of our time outside in the summer, right? But the thing that we really struggle with is like, okay, choosing between wanting to enjoy, you know, lounging by the pool and swimming or fighting off the mosquitoes. You know, we've used the candles, we've used the tiki torches, but nothing seems to work. So what are you supposed to do? They're probably not going to breed in your pool, but if there's other standing water around, like flower pots is a is kind of a classic one. Um, you know, just places where water might pool. And, you know, that can be tough because, hey, we get a lot of rain and sometimes you just can't avoid there being some standing water. But if you can kind of make an effort to make sure that there isn't a place where water really accumulates for a long period of time, that goes a long way. The other thing is, again, going back to the natural predators, bats are really good at controlling mosquito populations. So the more that we can actually encourage bats to live in our backyards. <laughs> I don't know about that. They're cute, Dana. Yeah, I'm not on board with that. Okay, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. We are giving him all the bad ones. Sorry about that. But what about the daddy long legs? I'm not even sure if that's the real name or not, but they're like this big looking mosquito thing with really, really long legs that they don't necessarily bite, but they're just a nuisance and they're really ugly to look at. Oh, the mosquito hawks? This is a great example of how common names can be confusing and why us scientists are always like, oh, we should use scientific names. Because <laughs> we're talking about, I think what we're talking about is what we would call a crane fly. It looks like a giant mosquito. It flies around. It has really long legs. I grew up in the Midwest and there we call daddy long legs. It's actually a type of arachnid like a spider. That's a different kind of critter. They don't have wings. They can't fly. The mm -hmm. ones that we have here in Houston... They are flies, so they can fly around. They look like they have the same body shape as a mosquito, but like a hundred times bigger, right? Mm -hmm. They don't bite at all. Mm -hmm. They actually feed on nectar. Yeah. They are totally harmless. So they look weird and kind of creepy. They also have the name, I think Lisa, you said mosquito hawk. That's another name I know them by. Oh. So there's this idea that they feed on mosquitoes, but that's actually not true. They don't, they're not predators at all. They don't feed on mosquitoes. So they're not helping with the mosquito problem, but they're also not really causing any harm. So that, I mean, that's a great example of like, you know, we tend to generalize and, and the reality is that most insects, they're not really affecting us in a positive way or a negative way. So those ones are just kind of around and they're not going to bother us. So what are some more positive ones, Scott? The ambassadors <laughs> for the insect world are the butterflies. You know, butterflies. <laughs> Even Dina. <laughs> they are pretty. Yeah, right? We can all agree that butterflies are great. One of the species that we have here in Houston that I love is the Gulf fritillary. The Gulf fritillary is a bright orange butterfly. And if you look at the, at the underside of its wings, it has like the silvery, almost reflective metallic surface. They're just beautiful. And their caterpillars are, kind of look cool too. They're bright orange as well. And they have what look like black spikes. It looks like the kind of thing where you'd think, oh my God, I better not touch that. It's going to hurt me. But actually the spines are soft. You can totally pick those up and they're completely harmless. And they only feed on passion flower vines. So if you can plant some passion flower vines in your yards, then you'll probably see more of these beautiful gulf fritillaries around. Yeah. Okay. You probably softened my heart a little bit. You got one. <laughs> you got one. <laughs> you got one. <laughs> All right. Well, what about monarch butterflies? Because monarch butterflies are amazing. I mean, not only are they big and beautiful, but they also do this unbelievable migration, right? And we're right on the migratory pathway for monarchs, kind of like we are for birds, right? These monarchs, what they do is they fly 
from wherever they emerge as an adult butterfly and they start to head south. And some of these individual butterflies can travel 3,000 miles in their lifetime. Wow, that's amazing. For a butterfly, right? It is pretty incredible. Oh, let's do one more that you hate. Silverfish. Okay, silverfish. Like, you cannot get rid of them no matter how hard you try because the weather in Texas provides this, like, perfect space for them to breed, lay eggs. I mean, lay eggs even faster than they typically do. Okay, so Dina, like, for people who don't know what a silverfish is, what does it look like? So it's like this tiny, very small, grayish-looking bug with, like, it looks kind of like a little centipede, but it's not a centipede. It's super small with long little legs running down all over its body. You often see these like in your sock drawer or someplace like that. Yeah. And, they, and I think part of the, the like what people often don't like them is that they startle us, right? Like you don't expect to see something crawling around. Yeah, they move so fast. In your sock drawer. And they're fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they're, you've just terrified them. I mean, they're completely freaked out. You know, <laughs> terrified me. They were happily hanging out in your sock drawer and then all of a sudden. And you're coming to squish them. <laughs> well, I'll, I, I'm not sure I'll be able to convince you that they're great. But here's something interesting about them. They are one of the most ancient groups of insects. They're, they um, have been around since before dinosaurs existed. So you're looking at a what? very, very ancient form of life when you're looking at a silverfish. In fact, when they first came into existence, there was nothing in the world that was able to fly. Insects were the very first animals that evolved the ability to fly. But when silverfish first evolved, you know, they don't have wings. And it was at a time when nothing had wings. So you're really kind of glimpsing this ancient world when you open your sock drawer and that silver fish goes, uh, you know, <laughs> running around in, in terror. But they really don't serve any purpose. Not everything is here to serve you, Dean. Uh, at least not in your sock drawer. You know, if they were out in, in your garden, then they would be helping with, with decomposition yeah. and, you know, recycling of soil nutrients and all that good stuff, as a lot of insects do. So... Scott, we were talking about monarch butterflies, um, which I, I keep reading about their numbers dropping, and also that insects all over the world are disappearing. Why should I worry about that, or should I worry about that? Would we all be better off in a Dina world that has no six-legged creatures? No, we would be in big, big trouble if insects were to disappear or to continue to decline the way they appear to be declining. It's a real, real problem. And um, yeah, I mean, it's because we depend on insects in ways that we don't even realize. I mean, insects are the basis of the food web in so many ecosystems, including here in Southeast Texas. I mean, we love our birds, right? So many of those birds feed on insects. And if those insects weren't around, the birds couldn't exist. They also, as much as we think of them as pests, many of these insects are actually helping to control other pests. We depend on insects like dragonflies as predators. And there's some aquatic insects that are also predators that, you know, without those, the insects that they eat would start to become, you know, much more common and would be problematic. So, you know, just because of that role alone, we would be in big trouble. You know, here's one nobody wants to talk about, but animal waste. My goodness. You know, dung beetles, they're one of the most important insects on the planet because they take in <laughs> animal waste, you know, cow what? patties. And uh -huh. they are going to basically break that down and roll it into a nice little ball, bury it underground, and they're going to leave that as a snack for their babies. All right. So, Scott, what about love bugs? So these are these, um, you see them flying around. They kind of look like lightning bugs. You always notice that they have 
two individuals linked together. They're actually mating, and that's where they get the name love bugs. They can remain attached like that for multiple what? days. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. weird and very X-rated. You know, we tend to, to sometimes worry about them because if they get stuck in the paint on your car, they can actually damage the paint on your car. What? Yeah, so you want to kind of rinse off your car, wash your car if you're driving through an area where there's a lot of love bugs. So that's an example of an insect we maybe think of as a nuisance. But in reality, uh, the larvae are helpful because they're really important in decomposition and nutrient cycling in the soil. So they're helping plants and they're helping other critters. So that's a good example of like, yeah, it's a little bit of a nuisance, but you know, it's kind of neat to watch them because they're so weird. They're just, uh -huh. The fact that they mate for days at a time and fly around in the middle of mating is just like totally wacky. So, you know, as long as we can rinse them off of our cars, they're not they're not doing us any any harm. I had no idea they were mating. I always thought they were just like attached by the butt, you know, that there were just these two things flying and they looked like a little alien. I had no idea they could actually detach. <laughs> Your mind has been blown. <laughs> My mind is blown. Have you come over to the side of insects now, Dina? <laughs> no, because you haven't convinced me of the ones I still hate. The silverfish, the roaches. Okay, but what about the others? You'll let the others live? You won't yeah, destroy yeah. the food web? Yeah, I'll let you keep them. Let me keep the butterflies. Fair enough, fair enough. Hey, I did my best. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Absolutely, right. anytime. Thanks so much, Scott. We appreciate it. That was CityCast contributor Scott Solomon. In our show notes, we will have links to A Guide to Bugs and Ask an Entomologist. All right, now I am here with producer Farrell Gibbs. Farrell, what's going on right now in Houston? Hey, Lisa. Well, according to a report by the Space City Weather folks earlier this week, we should be in the midst of a dust plume that was forecast to arrive from the Sahara in full yesterday, and it should linger on a bit more until tomorrow. Hopefully anyone out there who is having trouble with any breathing ailments associated with this dust is doing okay. They do say that one upside to it the dust apparently does make for some really great sunsets. Now, as if to intensify the matters, the Space City weather crew has been looking for any relief whatsoever in terms of rainfall, but there just does not seem to be any. Earlier this week, the forecast was that there could be a slight chance of rain for today, but other than that, the word they have used for our chances of rain this week was, quote, abysmal. So expect that and also several more back-to-back -back piping hot days. That is it for our show today. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our newsletter. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, we run Urban Almanac, a feature that lets you know what's happening in the natural world. It's at houston.citycast.fm. We'll talk with you tomorrow. We won't drown in dog poop. <laughs> exactly. Dung beetles are all yours. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs>